This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. We're just interrupting the start of your podcast to tell you about the Industry Minds Awards in association with Apollo Artist Management. The Industry Minds Awards will be held at Piano Works West End on Sunday the 22nd of September. The event is further sponsored by Bass Dance Studios, Bumble Biz, Theatre Accounts and Still Point Space. The judges for the awards include Rosalie Craig, Paul Taylor Mills, Arlene Phillips, Stephen Meir, Denise Welch, Tyrone Huntley and Broadway World. You can find a link to tickets on our Twitter and Instagram feeds and we'll also put it in the description of this podcast. We hope to see you there. Now, on with today's podcast. Scarlett Maltman and today we are joined by an incredible man in our industry. He is currently the assistant director on Matilda the Musical in the West End. He will soon be resident director on Mary Poppins in the West End and the recently announced Dr. Zhivago, which I have pronounced correctly. <laughs> it is a fabulous Jordan Murphy. How are you today, Jordan? Oh, good, thank you very much. You thank tired? You. Uh, no, I'm fine. No, he just came out of rehearsals. Yeah, I know I'm not tired. I've, I'm fine. I try not to say I'm tired. Yeah, because I'm like I'm fine. And everything's yeah. always fine. Yeah, you know. Um, no, I'm good. I mean, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. Oh Absolute honour to have you here today. So before we get started with the questions, we mm. always start with a word association game. Great. So the first thing that comes into your head, are you ready? We have, I, 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 I have to say, okay. we have had like a world record time on the word association challenge. So okay. I will put a timer on. Oh shit. Okay. okay. So the first thing that comes into your okay. head, right. The stopwatch is going. Oh, I'm nervous. Three, two, one. Directing. Fun. Summer. Hot. Orange juice. Tasty. Press night. Fun. Rehearsals. Uh, long. Summer sales. Great. Well-being. Important. Social media. Difficult. Kindness. Very, very important. 17.24. But I said important so many times. No, but still, I, th- I think that was the record, you know. I will need to ask Cathy. Okay. Yeah. If- so we always start at the beginning um, of your kind of career. Mm. So can you chat to us way, way back at the start? Where did your love for the arts kind of come from and how did you get into the creative arts? When did it all start? So it all started, um, I grew up in a place called Petersfield, um, which is a very small town in Hampshire. And uh, there was a local youth uh, group called the Petersfield Youth Theatre, which is run by a man called Nick Ashton. Um, And my sister was kind of a part of it and, and I went to go and see a couple of shows and I was around about five or six um, and then I was doing Oliver and I then got involved in that and I was part of uh, Fagan's Gang at seven years old. Amazing. Um, and it kind of came from that really and uh, I, I performed with them pretty much every year. I did like two two shows and then like the Easter courses and then the summer courses and uh, that's where my love for performing came from and then I did the, Na- the National Youth Music Theatre. Um, I was in a show called The Dreaming which is this amazing um musical adaptation of A Midsummer's Night Dream Amazing. by Howard Goodall and it's absolutely stunning um, and I was in that when I was about 14 years old and then I just continued performing I went to college uh, Southdowns College in Waterlooville and just did a BTEC in musical theatre I then 
was trying to get into drama schools and 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 I failed. Uh, didn't get into any. Um, I tried for all the all the big ones and uh, some of the smaller ones at the time. It just wasn't successful, so it was really hard um, because I always was like, I'm definitely going to be a performer. Like I'm yeah. going to be a performer. It was the one thing I knew. I, well, I thought I was good at, um, and I just didn't necessarily know who I was. I think like my voice. I didn't know. I, I didn't know what my voice was. I didn't, mm-hmm. It was a kind of an uncomfortable time when you're 17, 18, auditioning for drama schools. Like your voice, your singing voice, is in such a temperamental stage, and it's so delicate and fragile, and. Some people know, they're like, I'm a baritone, I'm a tenor, yeah. I'm a soprano. But I was like, am I a baritone? I could do all these bassy notes, but then also sing high, but it wasn't really well supported. I didn't have many singing lessons when I was younger. Um, so it was a quite an uncomfortable time for me. And so anyway, so, so I, so I uh, didn't get in. I took a year off and then became a lighting and sound technician at a theatre. Yes, which fabulous. Was, yeah, <laughs> it was fun. It was at the college that I went to, I'm so I, I stayed there for a year. Um, it was it was good. And then uh, and then I went to university instead. So I went to Exeter University and studied drama, uh, which is an extremely practical course. And I was performing in that, and I, it was it was that kind of feeling where if you could sing and and act, you were in everything like yeah. every musical that was put on it was like right Jordan and other people come and do this thing you know what I mean so yeah. I was like performing all the time and I kind of got my love back for it and then it came a time where I started to like start to question the directors and I was like why am I doing this like what's going like you know why am I here um, how should I feel mm-hmm. um, uh, why am I singing this uh, and and if that's the conclusion of the song why is it the conclusion of the song and, and, and you know and those directors some of them couldn't necessarily answer them yeah. answer those questions and that was quite frustrating um, and uh, I kind of was like getting more and more frustrated and a friend of mine just said why don't you just direct a show just direct a show and see how you feel so I did in my first year I directed a show called The Wonderful World of the Socia which is a play um, and it's basically like Alice in Wonderland but it's like a really messed up version of Alice in Wonderland <laughs> love it yeah it's really fun it's actually very much to do with mental health because Amazing. in the first act she's She's kind of in this crazy world where there's like mad stuff going on and she meets all these amazing characters. And in the second act, um, she's in a, uh, an institute okay. in, in, for mental health and she's, um, it's all in her head. And she's kind of, so you've just lived this incredible yeah. fantasy in the first act, which you believe is real. Like she, you know, falls into this world. And the second act is like no colour. It's like grey oh. and horrible and her life is awful. And it's like, you know, they wanted to get better. It's, it's, a, it's really, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Um, Definitely give it a read. Yeah, and a show I want to revisit at some yes. point. Um, and then, anyway, then, I, then after that depressing show, <laughs> I then went on and did some more positive stuff and I, I, I started directing some things and then um, there's a really cool thing called the Footlights, uh, which is like Exeter University, which is like an extracurricular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did West Side Story and Into the Woods and it kind of went from there and everyone was a bit like, yeah, you're good at this. And I was like, okay, great. And then I left uni and started assisting with the National Youth Music Theatre, actually, uh, with Nikolai Foster. Amazing. Um, and Lottie Wakeham. And then met Hannah Chiswick, who I know Paul yeah. spoke about, Hannah Chiswick. Um, and Hannah and I are extremely close and, and very much like Paul Taylor Mills. She is like, she's like my theatre director mum do you know what I mean yeah. like she she is the most incredible and uh, amazing supportive woman um, and so I assisted her on Sideshow which Paul produced um, and 
it was just amazing to have that kind of support network, which mm. I I was so scared I I, I wouldn't have because mm. I think going into it as a young director, there's not a huge amount of support for people because it's kind of like, we'll pay your dues and then mm. become a director. But I came out and, and Hannah was very, very generous to me and she still is very generous to me. And then I started just directing. And like everyone, I think, now, it's a frustrating thing when you go in for meetings with quite big producers and you say, I have this idea for this, this show, it's this, this and this. Mm-hmm. And they just go, we'll come back with some experience. Yeah. Great. Okay, I'll go get that experience. And then you go in and try and get a job as an assistant. They're like, we'll come back to me when you've like assisted on a big show. Yeah. How the hell am I going to get yeah, this experience? Absolutely. And it's so frustrating and it really knocks you back. And, and it was... And it's kind of still happening now in a way that, like, um, there's just not enough money for, mm-hmm. like, assistance and things like that. So if I would assist on a show, it was kind of like, well, there wasn't really a budget. And it's like, oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. So then I'm working, like, three jobs to support it. And, you know, uh, and then you do end up making your own work. You do end up working full time in, like, two or three bar jobs yeah. and a front of house job. And, you know, I was helping produce with the, with the National Youth Music Theatre as well. Uh, so I had three sources of income, um, which barely paid my rent yeah. but then I was, produce, I was trying to produce shows and, and help new writing and all that sort of stuff and it was really hard yeah. really hard but like amazing yeah. obviously because it was one of those things that I always said to myself that by the time I'm 30 I'll be in the West End whatever like whatever job it was like mm-hmm. I hope I said hopefully direct, something to do with directing I was like just fingers crossed yeah but I was like, I'll be in the West End. And yes, yeah, so then I applied for like Matilda like four times. And I was just going back and forth and meetings. And I they were like, it. you're just a bit too young. And I was like, okay, I get it. But I'm only going to get older. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. Um, and that was a thing from basically when I was 22 until like 25, 26. Um, it was like, you're too young, you're too young, you're too young, you're too young. And I just was like, isn't that a good thing? Mm. Isn't it a good thing that I'm young? Isn't it a good thing that I'm ambitious and and I know what I want to do? I know the sort of shows I want to make. Um, I have all these connections. I try and meet as many people as possible. I'm always trying to meet people and support like young actors and and young writers and 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 people like that. And you know, and I was like, if you don't give young people a chance where the hell is the next generation of people going to come from? The next generation of creatives? And I said this in my interview with Matilda, and they were very much like, oh yeah, we get it, fun, cool. Amazing. And, it, and, they, and they gave yeah. me an opportunity. What, why do you think there is that kind of stigma attached onto young young directors in the arts? Because we, we've mm-hmm. done a few um, directors, and it seems to be a kind of, kind of theme going, that the older you get, yeah. I think I don't know if it's actually to do with youth. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's because like a friend a friend of mine, he directs some amazing stuff with an English National Opera House and he's the same age as me. There's a lot of stuff with the English National Opera chorus. He's like just doing it. Yeah. Because he knows what he wants to do and he's like, Do you wanna give me a go? And they're like, Yep, yeah, sure. Done. I I don't I, I don't think there is an answer. I think I think it's very much like there was a time where it was like everyone work for free that's what you do and then you get your chance but like you know it's that sort of thing it's like you have to 
go through the, the motion that we all went through. It's like, mm-hmm. you should struggle. You should do the struggling artist thing. Or, you know, and I don't think that's people's ideology, but I think, you know, I don't want that yeah. for the younger generation. Like, to go through what I went through over those, like, three, four years before I got... Yeah, four years before I got Matilda. Like, I don't want anyone to go through that because it's so hard. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that you kind of... In the time, you're like... Oh my god, I've got this assisting job. Like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this thing at the Palladium. Amazing. It's like, it's unpaid though. Yeah. It's like, but it's at the Palladium. Yeah, yeah, I know. Or whatever, wherever it was. Mm. You know, and, and okay, yes, I got like £200 or whatever it was. But still, yeah. But still, that's not like paid. Yeah. And I still had to go to, I was working at the National Theatre in the bars for years. Like, I would do a big concert and then go back behind the bar. Yeah. And it's like, I just directed some of the leading actors in the industry, but then going back behind a bar because I don't have consistent work mm-hmm. because A, I felt that it was impenetrable. I felt that this musical theatre bubble was impenetrable. I really did. And I was, I was, I just missed the boat with like uh, growing up with the Jake and Peppers. You know, yeah. I, I was like just out of it. Um, whereas I don't know if I graduated sooner, maybe I could have been on that boat yeah. and, and kind of elevated with them in a way mm-hmm. so that and, and there's not really um kind of what it feels like is 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 there's a big kind of um gap at the moment that's happening what are we doing yeah you know and that's frustrating Absolutely. um and it's something that I'm, I'm trying to change but i don't know necessarily how to yeah, change it yet yeah. um but i'm working on it um but yeah it's it's uh, it's definitely a it's definitely an issue. Yeah. And I met with some amazing producers on Monday. Um, and uh, they're young and they're, like, ambitious. And and they loved it. They loved the fact that I was young. They loved it. And I was like, great. And I was saying all these ideas and they were coming back to me really interested. And I was like, great. And it was this amazing conversation. Um, but then you always have the back of your head, well, would they have met me if I wasn't on Matilda? You know what I mean? Like, with the, if I was still doing what I was doing and not have a West End credit, would those people still see the passion and energy? And I think they would because I like the nicest people. Yeah. It, like, the, the office, uh, I'm not even kidding, it was like the nicest Aww. experience I've ever had. Um, <laughs> and it really elevated my spirit and, and kind of my, my faith in the industry as well, like having these amazing producers. Mm. Yeah. Just going back to the kind of whole support kind of system for not just young directors, but any kind of director want to get a foot in the door. How do you think we can better support um, directors who are maybe just starting out or I know you mentioned about the system for kind of free and stuff like that. How how can we combat that in a really supportive way? Because ultimately, if you are working six jobs and and doing an assistant role, it it is kind of detrimental to mental health. How how do you think we can change that and... It is, it absolutely more. is. I, I, I mean, I survived it by just being like, this is what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to do this and I'll be fine. Like, and yeah, it's quite damaging because you, you know, I worked in the understudy at the National, so you'd work until two o'clock yeah. in the morning and then I was up at nine to go to NYMT to then oh. produce and then I'd go in the afternoon to go to a rehearsal that I was assisting on and then when it was previews, it would be like, I'd work in the bar in the daytime and then go to the preview at night and then, do you know what I mean? So it's this whole yeah. thing and it's really difficult. I think the main thing is the support network. Is, I mean, I have people reaching out to me and saying, like, can I meet you for a coffee? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, any, anything. You know, I'm absolutely happy to do that. 
but it's hard because I'm working on jobs that I can't have assistance. I mm-hmm. can't have someone come in on Matilda because there isn't a role. Yeah. Like, and on Poppins, it's similar. I can't really do that. Um, then on Dr. Zhivago, the concert that I'm about to do, there isn't a budget for an assistant. Mm-hmm. So if I really needed one, I could say to the, the producers, I would say, I'd say like, you know, I really need an assistant. Um, and if they say, well, there's no budget, I'd be like, okay, cool. Then if I really needed one, I should take it out of my wage and give them like, you know, half my wage with that assistant. Yeah. That's a good way of doing it. But then also you've got to realize that like, I've also got rent to pay and it's yeah, like, and, and I, I've also got like, you know, bills and all that sort of stuff. And I think we need to get to a place where we're always budgeting for those sort of things. Like mm-hmm. there should always be something in mind that if you have a director, I think there always should be an associate or an assistant because actually at the end of the day, if that show goes on again somewhere else, but the director's like, oh, I can't do it. Yeah, at least you've got someone. You've got someone that's like, yeah. that's someone, it's like, right, okay, well, they, they, that director can't do it, so let's bring the associate in and then, like, and, and then redirect it. Like, you know, what are you doing? Remounting it. You're not necessarily yeah. redirecting it, it's remounting it for the director, um, and which is a great way of doing it. But I just don't think many people will necessarily think in that way. I think that question always comes up when someone gets in contact so it's like say if we're doing a new show let's just say we're doing Spelling Bee and it was announced and then a, a young director uh, writes to me and says do you have an assistant and I go God, I've never thought of that actually maybe mm-hmm. we should maybe I should ask and then I ask and they say we haven't got a budget for it mm-hmm. and I go back and say I haven't got a budget for it you know I'm really sorry but then do I say but if you're more than welcome to come into rehearsals yeah like and maybe it's maybe it's opening up rehearsal rooms and saying you know I don't want you to assist me because I don't want it's like I, I want you to assist me but I don't want you to do it for free yeah but come and sit in rehearsals yeah, if you want right, to yeah. you know what I mean like if you want to sit in rehearsals fine mm-hmm. because then you're not working for free you're just watching and observing yeah. and something I found very useful that's what you know I found very 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 useful some directors may not like that yeah. and because I think that it's a very personal space mm-hmm. uh, creating shows and I I kind of agree with that I think it's Maybe towards the end, like when there's runs or maybe like whatever, but it is a very personal thing because it's um, a very vulnerable time when you're getting a show yeah. up on its feet. So maybe some people might not like that, but it, there's de- there are definitely ways of, of getting people at least in the room, yeah. even if there is no budget. And it just comes down to, at the end of the day, we just need to um, just believe in like theatre just a little bit more mm-hmm. so that people that are super mega rich can turn around and go, oh, you need an extra £2,000 for an assistant or an associate. Yeah, Great, of course. Yeah. yeah. Why do you need that? Oh, because of like the longevity of the show might be at risk. Yeah. Great. Well, let's have someone that can come in every now and then and note it mm-hmm. and so the director can go off and do their other things. You yeah, know, that's, absolutely. It's almost you know. like the importance of having an assistant director needs to be kind of in the spotlight more, right. if, if that makes any sense at all. It should be at the forefront of people's minds. Yeah. I think Because I think what it should be, it should be part of the package. So yeah, it's the idea that during conversations of, we want to produce this show, great. We want to, we've, we've got director, choreographer, MD, do you want an assistant? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Yeah. And it's, then it's yes or no. And then it's like, well, we have a budget for it, but if you don't want it, then we could put the budget to this instead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, and that's interesting. Whereas, like... It's never thought of that way. I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, it maybe there are there are shows that it is thought of that way, but maybe majority of a lot of fringe shows maybe aren't. Yeah, yeah, um, 
Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's, it's a hard one, isn't it? Definitely a shift coming. Yeah. I, there's, there's a huge shift coming because you've got some amazing producers coming through. Like, yeah. really supportive, brilliant producers. And and they they want assistants. They yeah. want associates. They want, you know, all these amazing people. There's just definitely a change coming. Yeah. Where there's just a, a, gener- a generation of kind of like theatre makers are breaking through. Yeah. And they're doing some really exciting things. And... I think if we just keep opening up conversations and keep chatting mm-hmm. to, and like, because I do feel that sometimes it may seem like very uh, tough to break into and get your foot in the door. It's that yeah. whole thing. It's like, once your foot's in the door, you're fine. Yeah. And that is very true. Yeah. Like, it is true. Once you're on a big show, it is very, well, it's not very easy, but it's, it's easier, easier yeah. to, to go from another show, especially from a creative standpoint. Yeah. Um, acting is very, very different. But it's definitely one of those things that, that it gets easier the more, the bigger the shows you do, obviously. So that's definitely definitely something. It's just interesting. No, no, it is. It definitely is. Just going back to, um, you mentioned about not getting into drama school. Mm. I feel like that is an incredible point that you made because obviously you're, well, I I don't know if you believe this, but I firmly believe that your kind of journey is set for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously I can imagine that could have had such a negative impact as, as well. And I know a lot of people who often get disheartened by not getting to drama schools first time and then an, inc- an incredible kind of experience happens you know it happened for me it's happened for many others what would you say um or, or advice would you give to someone that has maybe had that knockback because it, it, it can be tough and it can be like the, the worst kind of thing in the world world when it happens yeah and I think I think that's exactly what that, the point is it's it's the end of the world when it happens yeah. do you know what I mean it's like yeah. oh my god I didn't get in because actually all your friends are getting in. Yeah. And it feels... It, honestly, I, I've, I just remember getting those letters through and it's like, no, it's just rejection after rejection. I was just like, God, it's yeah. so tough. And it it did really hurt. It, it, it kind of propelled me, like everything that's ever happened in my life that's kind of negative, it's propelled me to go, well, fine, I'll show you that I can do it. Yeah. Uh, but what I always thought, I think when I got rejected, because I got rejected the first time, then I tried again, mm-hmm. and then got rejected the second time. The second time was harder than the first yeah. because I was like, I'm 18, mm-hmm. whatever, it's fine. I'll take a year out and I'll do it again. Um, second time was harder because then it was like, okay, cool, I'm going to go to university then. Yeah. And that is, when you've told everyone that like you're going to be an actor mm-hmm. and that you're going to be a performer and you don't go to drama school but then you go to university, it, it seems to people like, well, why aren't you going to drama school? Like that was always the question I was always asked. But going to university was the best thing for me because not only was was I getting the best of kind of like um, the practical side of it, but I was also getting like a huge kind of um, uh, understanding of the theoretical side and the analytical yeah. side of, of, of text. And, and it's very academic. It's, I mean, it's too academic. I'm not an academic person. It was like extreme. And I was oh. like, oh my God. <laughs> but, um, but it was just this kind of, uh, it was just incredible like, the, the, the amount of knowledge that was there like uh, and I felt overwhelmed and I, and I and it wasn't like the best time of my life like I think it was um, it definitely shaped me in a way that was for the best it was super hard work yeah. and because I'm not an academic person it was very difficult to kind of keep up with like yeah. you gotta do 6,000 words and I'm like I don't know 6,000 no. words <laughs> like I'm just gonna just write the word and over and over again do you know what I mean it's like oh god um <laughs> And uh, somehow I passed and I got a 2-1. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. Um, but, you know, and I think, and when I came out of it, I was like, well, then maybe I should do an MA or yeah. things like that. And I just think, just going back to your point, because I've just gone completely off 
piece. I think that drama school isn't the be-all and end-all of, of theatre. You just look at someone like Kai Ush. Mm-hmm. Kai Ush is one of the most, A, wonderfully beautiful men I've ever met <laughs> in my entire life. But B, he's just, he's never went to drama school. Yeah. And, and he's playing Lola on tour in Kinky Boots. Exactly. And like, he's just so talented, like so talented. And he is just living proof that you don't need to have a name of a, a drama yeah, school behind you. Exactly. I think that's really important. And I think that it doesn't matter. Like, if I'm casting people, I don't go, where did you go? Yes. I don't go. Not controversial at no, all. No, I don't go. Completely. I don't go, oh, you went to Arts Ed or you went mm. to Mountview. That's great. You should be in the cast. I don't care. I think that's so important that you said that because I, especially at the time when I was auditioning for drama school in the college that I went to, automatically I was like, because I went to this school, I won't get the same opportunities as someone from right. another drama school. And I think that's such, such yeah. a great point. I think if you work hard and you're talented, you get. You, you do get to the places that you want to go and it's just talented yeah, yeah. absolutely and it's so refreshing to hear that it, you it, don't look at well, a drama school and kind of because I think at the end of the day it's like if you can tell me a truthful story if we can, if we can be in a room and I can have a genuine conversation with you before the audition starts and if you can sell me the song you're singing or the text you're speaking if you can sell me that and you can kind of uh, take me on that journey with you. Why the hell? Why? Why do I care where you've gone? Yeah. I'll be like, fucking hell, you've worked hard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that. Like you've worked really hard and you're extremely talented. I don't go. Ah, oh, it's because she went to Juilliard. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, no one yeah. cares. Like yeah. I mean, maybe people do care. Maybe people do. I just don't. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's really important to know because. And I'll be super honest. No one has ever asked me where I trained. Ever. Amazing. No one's ever gone, so where did you train? Mm. I went to Exeter University. But no one's like, no one's ever gone like, oh, so when, were you an actor? Nope. Yeah. When you were training, and I, if they say training, I'm like, yeah, when I was training. Yeah, and they were yeah. like, so did you do this? And I was like, yeah, I actually did loads of shows when I was training. Did you say training? Yeah. Still training. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, exactly. still doing practical classes. I still... But it was, it was really cool, and, and it's, it's cool to think that, well, I hope um, that people aren't getting so worried about yeah. that, because I think I just, there's so much pressure on, on getting to the best drama school, getting to the best this, the best that. Actually, there's kind of like training everywhere now, like good training, yeah. you know, there's some amazing places, it's not just the top three that you always hear about, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's just having the... Uh, the confidence to just be like, I just want to train. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, and and when you're training, knowing who you are and who yeah. you want to be. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to be a cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be in this kind of like, you know, uh, the same as everyone else. Because yeah. why would you want that? Yeah. And I think my individuality has come from not going there. Yeah. You know, and has come from a place where I was around 30,000 students mm-hmm. from all over the world. I think it's... Yeah. Um, just on before we go away from this t- topic as well, like it's I think it's so important as well. Like I'm from a working class background, and if I hadn't got funding for where I went, I, I wouldn't have went to that particular mm. drama school, and I would have went to what was seen as a, a a small school in kind of Scotland. Yeah. And I think you know I know some incredible people that have come from that small school in Scotland, or now in the West End, yeah. and everyone tours, and it it genuinely doesn't matter. I think 
and, and I really do hope that the whole kind of kind of almost it's almost like a stigma that you have to go to drama school to succeed. I really hope it yeah. kind of shifts. <laughs> if you if you are passionate enough and you train and you go to classes and you and you do shows, mm-hmm. that's all the training you need. Like exactly. you don't have to go to and spend five bajillion pounds to go mm. to a freaking drama school. No one cares. Like yeah. you know, it's an amazing experience, and I and I think drama schools are incredible and they're extremely important. Um, and I think people do have amazing uh, experiences there. Um, but I think people need to know that it's not the end yeah. of the world if they don't go. There's so much to gain from going to university or just going. I'm just gonna give it a go. Yeah. You know Absolutely. that it definitely is a, is a huge thing. Um, I just, I just don't want to put a negative light on, on, oh, on oh, drama yeah, schools no, absolutely. because it's I think brilliant. they are, they are yeah. so valuable and, and, but there's just so much more to the industry yeah, than, than just drama schools because I think that it's, um, cause I've come from that. Yeah. I've come from university yeah. and somehow. Yeah. I think still... it's important to know that there is another option. It's not the be all and dames all. Absolutely you, not. you can't afford to go or if you don't get in there, there's other and options. And that's also a huge thing. You can't afford to go. There's no, I think it's, absolutely like it's just mind-blowing that there's no I mean government funding like yeah. proper government funding like student loan stuff I mean I know you can get bursaries and scholarships mm-hmm. and things like that um, <clears throat> depending on your background and stuff but like to not get a proper student loan to go to a drama school it then it's then still it's having, tied on to university right or, yeah like central or, yeah. or, or what Guildford, Guildford used to be yeah, yeah. Um, or what it, maybe Guildford is still but it's like then what you're doing is you're then already from training you're kind of saying or, or from the educational side of it you're saying that like it's still not like a real career yeah like the government isn't seeing it as a real thing because mm. they're not funding it like whereas you can go and do i could go i could go to university and do an ma in forensic science mm-hmm. and never use it but i might get some fun i might get some funding yeah from the government exactly what what is that what the hell is that i don't know if you've seen it and um, it was last year i think but there was pretty sure it was government leaflets or for a university or something and it's it had a photo of kind of like a ballerina on it and then someone like as a doctor and it said um she wanted to be a ballerina oh god I, oh yeah yeah it? i did see that awful it's mental and that's just proof in the pin like yeah. they don't think it's a real job but it's like yeah and, and 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 what's hilarious is that like it is a real job. It is, and like, it's educational, yeah. like, to people that, yeah. What's different from being a ballerina but then being a film actor? Like, people yeah. see film acting as a career, but maybe someone in theatre's not. Like, that's not yeah. a career. It's, like, a thing that people do as a hobby, like, because there's so much Andrew. I don't know what the, the, the kind of, um, that word stigma is coming up again. Mm-hmm. I don't know what people's kind of views on why it's that way. Uh, it's crazy. And yeah. it is such a career. It's an amazing career. And it's so, like incredible to be a part of and and the community is 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 um there's the most amazing people in the world you know look at that cheer up charlie thing you know which is the most amazing thing um a little boy who's like seriously bullied at school and the community is coming together and just saying we stand with you yeah i think it made headline news yeah yeah but it's like we stand with you but everyone in theater Mm -hmm. and then it went bigger and then it went bigger you know it's like the community's bigger than you think. Yeah. And it's more powerful than you think. Like, we are telling the most important stories in the true form of escapism. And that is what's incredible. So just getting on to your personal kind of experience My with mental, mental health, can you just chat to us um, 
about that really about your experience with mental health be it um personally to you or yeah. kind of your experiences within the industry of of it we kind of touched upon like drama school stuff and that was super yeah. hard but at a time when when you're 18 19 you don't really understand those sort of emotions of mm. being like super sad and like um frustrated and angry and i don't i wouldn't say i was depressed or anything because i was i was extremely happy and i kind of always have been quite a very light and airy person um but it was definitely a sad time but i've always used not facts to to like elevate myself yeah. and go okay cool you didn't you didn't want that well I'm going to come back at you mm. with another idea which is even better or like you know you know um my auntie was severely uh ill uh it was super sad and it was difficult and I didn't know about that side of her mm. life until she passed away um and she took her own life when I was about 16 17 it's hard because I think my mum especially was it was tricky for her yeah. to go through that and so she didn't tell us everything I found out more about that situation when I went to university um, and did a whole course on it's called Theatre and Madness mm. which was delving into the mental health side of theatre and kind of um, and how can theatre be therapeutic and things like that and it was a really interesting thing but then we got onto the topic of suicide and and everyone was like, well, not everyone, but many people were like, it's really kind of um, selfish mm. and I don't get it. I think it's disgusting. And for some reason it just triggered this thing. And I was like, I started to get kind of, um, my breathing started to get heavy and I didn't really understand what was going on. I basically had like a, a panic attack mm. slash like kind of severe anxiety. And my mum came to university and told me everything. Cause mm. I was like, I'm, this has affected me. I don't know why. Um, and then she just told me everything and it was the hardest thing to be told by your mum that, you know, that uh, her sister was very ill, mm-hmm. but she kept it from us, didn't tell us the whole truth about the way she passed. It was very different, like severely different mm-hmm. um, and slightly more finite. It's just one of those things that was kind of quite a, a shock to me. And I couldn't really go to university in my third year. I was finding it really difficult to go in. And um, so I had like counselling. And the one thing that made it better and made it okay was the counselling. It's incredible. Yeah. Like counselling is amazing. It's amazing. And, it, and it's, it's such a way to kind of um, let it all out mm-hmm. and just to go... Because then you have so many more issues. You know, yeah. Go, oh God, <laughs> that's linked you to start that. unravelling and yeah. noticing everything. And then I, then I, I kind of... Uh, things came out that I was like I didn't really know who I was or what mm. I wanted and, and, I, and I kind of figured out that actually I did want to be a director and I, and I was too scared to let go of the fact that I was always going to be an actor and telling everyone that I was going to yeah. be an actor I was so scared about that and so scared of, of kind of letting people down that I've said I'm going to be an actor all of that stuff came out and um, and you know and, and other things but it was I, I was directing West Side Story at university and um because they give you like too much money to do these shows. Amazing. It's like 30 grand or, or 25. Okay. <laughs> and I just remember doing it and that was the only thing. So like, that's the only thing I could, I could go and do. Yeah. But no one knew what was happening. Like, I mean, I was going into the university every now and then and like doing some classes. The practical things I kind of had to do because mm. it's, if you don't go, you get marked and it's like, you're marked down and things like that. 
so that, that was like the main thing that kept me going was doing West Side Story and, and kind of doing this massive piece you know, in a, in a 400 seated auditorium in Exeter and it was, it was amazing it was, uh, but what it has done is has made me more open just about everything so um, I feel that uh, yeah I don't know I just, I just feel that I'm, I'm I can really have a very very in-depth conversation very easily with anyone yeah. like not in like not a serious conversation but like if they want to open up I'm like cool I'm here what yeah. do you want like yeah. what can I do for you and I can then say well when I, when I had this that feeling you know that's because this is this and this you know and and, and I've and I've always been that sort of person that if a friend broke up with another friend or whatever I was always the guy who was like it's fine don't worry about it because you know you had a really nice time and I was that guy who was always really supportive and and I think that's been in my nature for such a long time. But this kind of uh, heightened it, this mm-hmm. situation. And it made me want to um, open up the conversation more yeah. in theatre. And I remember saying to my mum at the end of university, I said, I want to make musical theatre that, that talks about mental health. I want to make... This is why Next to Normal is such a huge... Yeah. It's a huge show for me. I saw it when I was like 16 on Broadway or 17 on Broadway oh yeah yeah, you should be yeah it was was ridiculous Aaron Tevet amazing (laughs) Um, uh, yeah it was it was absolutely amazing and it was I was like I want to do that that's the sort of theatre that I want to make but not necessarily like always dark and gloomy because you don't have to do that but you know it's it's finding a happy medium with them both because I don't think that issues regarding mental health always need to be sad yeah think I think that we can always we can make a thing where it's like you know, someone, yeah, may be suffering with bipolar disorder or um, depression or schizophrenia, but there, there are stories that are extremely kind of light and, and, and kind of joyous that come mm. from those sort of situations. Not many, but there are definitely some kind of um, things there uh, that you could play upon rather than it always being so, like, yeah, uh, emotionally intense, which is why there's not many musicals about it, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of slowly getting there now with like Evan Hansen and and yeah, going forward absolutely. with those sort of things. Um, but there's definitely there's as I said to my mum that's that's why I said I said I want to make this thing and she was just like just do what you want to do, um, but you know don't let it get to you. Mm-hmm. You don't let it be the thing that you're like focused on the whole time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and actually it was really important to to not go. Well, that's all I'm gonna do mm-hmm. is make thing about mental health because actually then I'm going to be in that bubble and I'm going to be constantly kind of in that sort of state and I didn't want to be shrouded in that so yeah. I so I kind of um that's a, that's a, that's a long game so that's yeah. my that yeah. eventually over time yeah over time when I start to kind of do my own things again yeah after pop-ins and things like that um then I'm going to start to kind of bring that back into my life a bit Amazing. more which is which is super cool but yeah I think we're ready for it. Do you yeah, know I th- we are. I think we are yeah. ready for it. I think we're at this time now where like people are a bit more open. And I, I, f- I said to a friend the other day, so I was like, "Hey, man, how are you?" So like, I'm actually not good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay, what's wrong?" Is that I'm literally just having a down day. And I was like, right. "Do you want to chat about it?" No, great. Yeah. I, I just call me if you need me. Yeah. End of. Yeah. Didn't call me. That's fine. I saw him later on. Then he was better. That's important. That was so a huge important. step forward, huge, huge. and like, and you know, I think we always talk about the men, men not being in touch with their emotional yeah. side, but actually, it's everyone as well. You know, it's yeah. really important. But it's amazing that 
anyone's opening up like that. Yes, and because we always absolutely. go, yeah, fine, mate, how are you? That's, yeah. Yeah, it's just about being human, it's just having a chat. Yeah. And just being nice. Absolutely. Like, it, t- it takes more effort to be horrible and dismissive. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? And just being like... It's a waste of energy. It be is. kind always. But also, it, it's tiresome. There's definitely a change coming. I think that we are getting ready for... Or we're definitely, maybe already there. Theatre in general um, is coming to a point where I think that we can have those conversations yeah. a lot more openly uh, and, and kind of have it on stage a bit more, yeah. which people then don't go, that's way too intense for me. Mm-hmm. It's actually, well, actually, I'm just putting a mirror up yeah. and showing you the world we live in. We are so ready for those conversations to be have to, to have because those things are so relatable, but they're not shoved in our face. Yeah. They're not like it, it's not being like this is a show about suicide. This is a mm. show about mental health. It's not about that. It's a story about someone's fucking life. Yeah. And it's like, you know, some people's lives are extremely horrible and traumatic, and some people's lives are amazing and they have the best life. But there's always going to be something negative about everyone's life. You know, there's always going to be something like this is going to get deep. But I think there's 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 something weird with with us as people where we are always striving. Nothing's ever enough, yeah. and we're always going like right. So you know, I'm in, I'm working in the West End. Is that enough? I always ask myself, oh, I should be doing more. What does that mean? What do you mean more? What what can I possibly yeah. do that's more than that? And like, and what is that? Is that like social media? Is that me being like, oh no, I need to do an announcement so everyone knows I'm still so I still exist. Yeah. I need to do something else so I, so I so I still exist in this world. Is and, I, and it's and it and it's weird. I was listening to a, a podcast with Stephen Fry, which is really yeah. interesting. Basically, Stephen Stephen Fry, um, he kind of explains this in a way, and I do hope I get this right because if I don't, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> um, that humans strive for more all the time. We're always striving for more. Like what it what like we're trying to fulfill ourselves, and when we finally reach that point, we need more. And we and and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And he puts an example of like, if we put our brains into a cow. We would be so bored because a cow has reached its full cowness, right? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that cow, he was saying that the cow, all it needs to do is eat grass and poo and, and produce milk yeah. and walk around. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do anything. That is the, the, the peak of that cow's life. It is living its best, best life, life as a cow. Yeah. Does nothing else but that. I'm on the cows. Do you know what I mean? But like yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't strive for anything. Why, why do we strive? Yeah. Why, why is it because we live in this world where it's, there's so much information at our fingertips that we can... I can go and do a forensic science degree if I want to and do more or whatever. I don't know why I keep going back to that. But, like, you know, it's just this really interesting yeah. thing that, like, what is it with us as humans that, that make us strive for so yeah. much? Because we put so much pressure on ourselves, which then creates this whole thing where, like, we do get ill. Yeah. We do get sad. We do get... Cause, overwhelmed right yeah you know and, and so many people compare themselves to other mm. people and actors you know a lot of actors do and um well they're doing this they're doing that they're doing this and, and i used to do it a long time ago i used to be like i can't believe my friend's doing that show i wish i was doing that yeah but they've had such a different journey to me and and theodore roosevelt once Ooh. said that comparison is the thief of joy yes and that is the best quote ever it's like that is so true. How can I possibly enjoy myself if I'm comparing myself to a, to yeah. someone else? It's never gonna happen. And Absolutely. and I think that's such a freeing thing to think mm. about. It's like, well, your journey's different to mine. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, great, you went in the West End when you were twenty one. Cool. That's gonna be later in my life. Yeah. Right? And when I get there, I get there. And it's fine. And I don't 
it doesn't matter how long it takes or how long anything takes. It's just, I think we just need to be concentrating on ourselves and our own sure. path and because that's what I've done and and I haven't like sacrificed a huge amount. Like I'm not not having a social life, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, you know, I have a wife, I have, you know, she's amazing, she lives in America, it's really annoying, she's American. Amazing, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> but the visa system is horrible. You know, and, and I... And, I still kept that relationship going yeah. for nearly four and a half, five years, mm-hmm. long distance, going back and forth. But then also, you know, I've been, I've been focusing on myself, mm-hmm. not the people around me. And and all I've done over those years is supported the people that are around me and gone, that's amazing. Congratulations, yeah. you're doing that show. Mate, I'll come and see it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because, because no one ever asked me to do that show. Mm. So I can't be like, I'm jealous of that. Yeah, yeah okay, maybe sometimes you go, that was really cool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You go, all right, well, and then you, but then you think about, like, well, if I did it, how would I do it? Mm. Then you get onto that, then you have that mindset rather than, I'm jealous of that work. Yeah. I go, well, maybe if I was asked to do it, what would I do? And then that kind of sparks creativity. But, yeah, we're just, we're in this weird world of, like, everything's present, right. like, especially with social media. And it's like, you, you look at a feed of, say, the Kardashians, for example. Mm. Not that I ever aspire to be a Kardashian, but I know people out there, they, they want the money, they want the lifestyle, they want all of that. And then automatically, they're getting into a negative mindset about their own life and their own own happiness. And I think exactly what you just said about not comparing yourself to others and focusing and appreciating what you have around you and your own journey and everything in in your own life. Because if if you know what you want to do, like my whole thing is like, I know what I want to do. And the, the... the, and that, and hopefully the people around me know what I want to do as well and like and I always say it's like well if we can do it together mm-hmm. like if I can help you get to where you want to go and you can help to me like that's amazing yeah. whereas like if I go well no 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 you do I, I say focus on your own journey but there's so much though to say like or there's, there's so much to say with people kind of helping you out and kind of um, not giving you a leg up but like holding your hand yeah. and saying take that risk great let's take it together do you know what I mean? And that's that's fun. And yeah, I just think it's really important. I think that's where so many people get lost and people mm-hmm. quit the industry because yeah. they go, well, he or she or they got into 42nd Street yeah. and I didn't, but I'm a great tapper. Why didn't I get in? And they auditioned again, didn't get in, but I'm a great tapper. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not your year. Yeah. It's fine. Like, And also, there's people being churned out every year from drama schools. Like, That might be a better tapper than you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you will work. You just have to keep on working on yourself yeah. to then get to that point. Absolutely. I think. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe. And now, a word from our sponsor, King Manual Therapy. Hi there, this is Ronan from King Manual Therapy. Here at King Manual Therapy, we believe that listening to our clients is how we get our results. The consultation process at the beginning of each treatment is as important as the physical treatment itself because this is where we understand and listen to our patients and understand what they actually need us to do. Therefore, each treatment is tailored to our clients and not just protocol, which means we're not just treating the pathology, but the person. What do you think we can do more in this industry to create a supportive and safe environment and, you know, educating emerging talent, getting to a point where, you know, just what you said there, that we we are helping each other and giving each other a helping hand what do you think we can do more of and that is supporting likewise creatives mm. and actors and not having this kind of separation between between them all I don't know if I can necessarily like 
answer that and like mm. and I don't know if I can have an answer to that um but what I do um every now and then is I set up like coffees and I and I set up like these uh, so there was a time when at Matilda it was a really quiet period at Matilda and I just said to um a friend of mine I was like I, see, I now just see the actors that come through Matilda's doors. Mm-hmm. That's all the actors I see. Whereas before, I was meeting so many people and like every, like auditions and auditions and auditions, meeting yeah. everyone. It was amazing. I was getting to know so many actors and now it's just the Matilda actors, yeah. which is quite restricting. And then, and that's why we get into that bubble, right? So it's like, oh, you're an actor, great, cool. You know, but I didn't want, I, I wanted to break that convention. So what I started doing is, is I put um, a tweet out saying, you know, look, I work in town on a show called Matilda. Um, if anyone wants to meet up for a coffee, just drop me a message. Mm. And it was like 500 messages or something. Oh it was absolutely mental. Really? But the most incredible, like, two weeks of my life, like, meeting these people. I mean, I didn't meet 500 people. That's just, that yeah. would be absolutely <laughs> uh, madness. But, like, um, it was so incredible to meet these amazing people and have coffees, like, one-on-one, just, just me and them, and just chatting. And friends of mine were like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, why aren't you doing it? Yeah. You know, like, people that are higher up in the industry than me. And, and I'm like, why aren't you doing it? You know, you are further on your career than I am. And, and what it was... To me, like, someone that was 17 I met, and she was like, and I just got into drama school. And I was like, wow, that's so, that's so exciting. Yeah. Like, um, and she's like, I just want some advice. Like, when I come out of drama school, what, what should I do? And I just said, I don't know. Like, I, I, I said, I think the one thing that sometimes we lack is the idea that we need to continue uh, expanding our knowledge mm. of the industry. I, I was definitely someone, I, I kind of fell into that, graduate university and was like I know everything yeah. and I was like no actually I need to continue to learn mm-hmm. and to go to classes and to do a young Vic director's course and to like, you know learn, yeah. just continue learning um, so it's just like having a chat and then I'm not necessarily I'm not saying that I'm like this guru of advice or anything like that but like actually the fact that I spent some time on Matilda like a nugget of really valuable information yeah, the tiniest bit that might not seem important to me might be the most important thing to someone else. I don't know, like, and I'm going to continue doing it, like, just every now and then. I started doing this thing where it's, like, group meetups now, because I, like, I just can't yeah. do the one-to-ones, because it was just, it was, scheduling was too hard. I've done those twice now, and they are really good. It was a really amazing way to meet people. Yeah. And just to be, like, musical theatre or theatre or dance or tap or ballet or jazz or whatever it is, like, or writers or you know, it was anyone. I think it's that. I think it's just, I find it very frustrating that people feel, still feel like it's closed. And that to me doesn't make any sense. I think the main thing is just if someone wants to have a coffee with you, it doesn't take much time out of your day. Like it's an hour, you know what I mean? And if they're willing to come to, you know, Timby Yard around the corner, Mm. you know, I'm like, look, I'm in rehearsals, but I can come out for like half an hour if if that's okay with you. Great. If they can't, fine. But just... And okay, you can't do it for everyone, I get it. But it's just having the mindset of going, if someone wants to meet with you, why not? Yeah. You don't have to gain, or you might gain loads from it. Mm. You might gain like, you know, I met a guy called Dominic Powell, who's a writer, uh, composer, just for a coffee. And I worked with his new, new musical last week Amazing. for three days. And I met him two weeks ago. Do you know what I mean? It's like this, it's, it's, it's really awesome. Like social media can be amazing. Mm. It's very difficult. Yeah. 
Um, so I think it can be very damaging. But social media can be amazing if it's used in the right way. And I think in a world where we are so connected, it's a very famous thing to say, <laughs> we are so disconnected. And, and, I, and I feel that like we can begin to use that kind of faux connectivity. Mm. Or we can use that to our advantage and then make connections, yeah. genuine connections, and say, do you want to meet for coffee? It would be great to actually finally meet you. Yeah. you know? And that's what I do. So that, they're, they're, they're not saying that that's like what everyone should do, mm. but I, I think that that is one of the most important ways um, that we can build generations, you know, yeah, or, or like a, a strong infrastructure mm. for theatre going forward. I think we're now getting to a point where it's becoming very collaborative and it's, it's now yeah. everyone is collaborating with each other. Producers are kind of marrying up and producing together again. It's kind of getting quite, quite exciting. And, and I think that comes from opening up conversations yeah. just in general. Just Absolutely. having that door slightly open yeah. and saying, you can come in, absolutely come in, but like let, let me schedule it in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah you know, absolutely. Leaving the door slightly ajar so that um, people can still feel like they're welcome mm-hmm. or that they they can have those conversations, yeah. I guess. Yeah. If that's a good way yeah, of putting it. Absolutely. I feel like even over the last couple of years the whole um, workshop things so of producers and casting directors directors putting on workshops so they are meeting fresh talent and yeah again it comes with a price to pay um for for most of them but it's still a a fantastic way of seeing talent and we went to um one that was put on i think the company's called bame and that was entirely yeah yeah i I saw that i was there yeah i was there yeah Yeah, we missed you you. yeah i was in the morning yeah Yeah. but even that like that was fantastic i think they turned well they, they seemed well, it must have been in the, the hundreds was, of how many, so many people, yeah. incredible artists they've yeah. seen in front of a whole kind of panel yeah. of industry professionals. Yeah, it was and like 60, it was, it was like, it was, it was like 45 people yeah. there from the industry. It's like and casting directors, yeah. agents, directors, producers. producers. Yeah, it was insane. But then that's what I mean. And like, and I think going back to the master, the kind of like masterclass yeah. things and like the, the workshop things, I think it's really interesting because like America has that down like they mm. just get it they do all these amazing workshops they like the biggest casting directors ever do these workshops the biggest choreographers ever do workshops mm. Drew McConey is is that guy he does it here and, yeah, and his choreography is absolutely yeah. insane but you know and, and he does it and, and it's amazing and, and I think people over here are like well it costs money to go and meet mm. someone and kind of do a, do a class it's like but actually what you're doing is you're creating a working relationship with that person. Mm. So if you go and do a class and you go and do a, a workshop or you go and do a masterclass or something, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're forming a relationship in a professional manner, mm. which is like, what if you can come across professional and get the job done and kind of take on notes and stuff like that? That's amazing. And you, you've, you've already started to form a professional relationship as well as kind of a very relaxed environment and, and maybe get to know them personally a little bit yeah. as well because you're not in a job situation, yeah. you're in a workshop situation. Yeah. And that's cool. Like, yeah. you know, I did one with my friend Doug, uh, who's, a, who's a Broadway actor. And, and I think that, like, America have it down. They have it, like, yeah. down. Because they continuously want to learn. They, and I think that we are definitely starting to do that now. Yeah. I think that the classes that in Pineapple are amazing. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's opening up and lots more places are doing it and, and, and are opening up lots more classes. I think people are now wanting to go to those places and, and to continue training. Because yeah. I think the shows are getting harder and harder and harder choreography is getting more and more intricate and detailed mm. and things like that like you know it, it's not enough now 
to have just a drama school, your yeah. drama school training. It's now More you have to continue yeah. doing your jazz and contemporary and learning the new moves that Drew McConey thinks up in his bedroom and suddenly he's doing it and you're like how did you even come up with that um you know and, and it's just things like that it's continuously learn and yeah. yes that that i don't know why we got onto that but it was interesting oh about opening doors yeah. up opening doors, yeah, yeah exactly yeah but that's what it is i think it is opening doors and i think it's i think it's a brilliant way of like that bame thing is it was insane incredible. like it was absolutely incredible and it was this amazing 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 experience and just to sit there and watch these really talented people like come through the doors and being like I feel misrepresented or underrepresented and I was like my god that's so hard to 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 see in front of me Mm. you know but people were so interested and it was an amazing way of of, it was free for them to do it as well like you know um it was an amazing way of getting in there I, I just think it's opening up those conversations and you know I do think that places will give their space for free if you really like say it's just a really important thing like you know because they're doing something amazing and it's like generosity goes a long way yeah um so yeah it's just there's definitely like a change coming in terms of like supporting because I think people are becoming slightly more support I hope they are anyway supportive and um and kind of leaving that sort of like I guess the negativity of comparisons yeah, at the door. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess you have seen that firsthand at the kind of top of the chain in the West End. Mm. You noticed a change towards mental health kind of in the room and amongst creatives and actors because you're right in the midst of oh, the whole bubble. Oh, like 100%. That's amazing. I, absolutely. Yeah. Like, genuinely. Um, it's taken very seriously at the RSC because obviously I work yeah. for the Royal Shakespeare Company. It's taken very seriously there. You know, I, our company managers are like trained in in kind of uh, talking about mental health and yeah. and all that sort of stuff and it is and it's tough because being on a show like Matilda is physically and mentally draining because mm-hmm. it's it's such long hours of rehearsals and so many kids and all this sort of stuff. The moment you've finished putting the kids in, you've already started auditioning for the next kids. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it just yeah. never ends. And actually, some people actually just can't handle that mm. and people get very stressed out or and it might bring up a past emotion do you know what I mean so it's that yeah. sort of stuff so uh, but but they are so brilliant and like our, our general manager is so on it um she is like we are you okay with that genuinely are you okay with that mm. like or like how are you guys doing she's very genuine she's very uh, always asking for okay like and always checking and I do seriously think that there's been a big dramatic change because mm. it's become so prevalent over the last few years and also they want people to have a nice time you know and they want they want people to go if you're finding it tough come and talk to us and that and even just that as a thing is amazing yeah, it's cool yeah. it's incredible to hear it's incredible to hear because i think a lot of people obviously especially as industry minds we're kind of surrounded by it in our everyday mm. lives and sometimes yeah, it's yeah. Really hard to see what it's like and um, the top of the west end and stuff so i think it, it's really incredible it, to hear it, that it is honestly that it's um it's definitely well from my experience yeah yeah. it really is very important amazing so kind of second to last question you put up a tweet um of you last year standing outside Cameron McIntosh's office yeah fingers crossed um hoping for um the job you said the long wait and hard work has paid off how did you feel when you got the job as resident director on Mary Poppins in the West End and if there's anything you can 
um, share with our listeners today um, kind of about your experiences and your journey up till this incredible point in your career what, what would you say because it is an incredible achievement it's, oh, um, it's incredible thanks, thanks yeah thank you um, I don't know it's, I, so I took that picture and sent it to my mum and my wife <laughs> and, and, I, and I just said like because the, the initial conversations were for, were for a different show yeah and I was talking to some of the guys over at um, Karen McIntosh, and I was, I was really gunning for a different show, which I can't tell you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it was for a different show, and I was really going for it. I was like, go on. Like, and they, in the initial interviews, it was a general meeting. Yeah. General meeting. Um, I took a picture before that of the very outside of Karen McIntosh's office um, and posted it on my Instagram, and I can't remember what I said. I said it's like, this is beautiful here. And a friend of mine said like what the fuck are you doing in the camera's <laughs> office and I was like oh shit people actually know what it is because I didn't I've never been there so yeah. I was like people won't recognise it but obviously people that are proper stagey no like way. that's kind of mm-hmm. I was like oh shit so I took it down <laughs> um, and it was for a very general meeting and um, they were asking me what I want to do and um, where, like, where, they, where I want my career to go and I was very honest with them and saying about like I want to direct but I love being in the resident mm-hmm. <clears throat> the resident creative team uh, because I'm constantly learning like I'm such a better director for being on Matilda because what Matilda's given me is the, the kind of the tools to be able to gather my thoughts in a really kind of clear way and to deliver notes uh, with clarity um, and be a lot more eloquent and just things like that and, and getting points across in um, and, and being quite kind of decisive and making clear and strong decisions and yeah. not being kind of scared to do it. Because I think before that I was kind of like a bit worried about giving notes and being yeah. like oh I'm really sorry about that but it's actually like right this is this is an idea how do you feel about this this and this mm. and then we have a conversation so you know I've, I've built a lot of confidence and and I feel so much better in, in who I am because of the, the the experience I've had and I've definitely learned so much and I think it was it was really interesting so I was saying that sort of stuff in in, this, in my meetings initial meetings at Cameron's mm. I'm just saying, like, I feel really kind of uh, positive and um, and really excited for like the future, and and you know, I said I've, I, it's been a lifelong dream to work for Cameron Macintosh, like of like you know <laughs> all, all that sort yeah. of stuff, like you know, lay misses, and you know, I've always wanted to kind of be a part of that team, and I said, you know, eventually, I hope there's something we can work on, and I was called back again, and no one really said anything uh, about what it was for, and I met two of the associates. Um, JP Van der Spy and James Powell and we chatted and I was like I know who you guys are but you can't mm. do all the shows they do like all the they, yeah. they do like so many shows and I was like oh, what show is this for and I was like well, maybe just a general interview like just general interview so we spoke again and we're speaking and speaking and speaking and um, it was interesting because they were talking about resident work and and how we do it on Matilda and it's like is it very paint by numbers and I said no it's not it's very much like a very collaborative thing yes you have to get to A to B but in the middle there's kind of like this parameters that you can play with which is really fun for like casts coming in and uh, and they're like that's very much how we work which is really good and right yes well would you want to be a children's director and I was like well yeah I guess so I could definitely be a children's director. I mean, so I'm kind of doing that now. Matilda yeah. is very, very, very much involved in the children, um, but I still do the adult stuff as well. And um, and they start talking about Poppins, and I was like, oh, okay, I see. Yeah. And I went to Poppins, and I was like, okay, a children's director on Poppins. Yeah, sure, I, oh, yeah, I can do that, definitely. And then it kind of got exciting. The second time <laughs> I met Paul Willer, the casting yeah. director, the head of casting, and Trevor Jackson. 
and it's the third time I met JP and James Powell. And then we started speaking about yeah. Poppins. And then the fourth time, I was meant to meet Cameron, and then mm. I didn't, because he was busy. But then, then the fourth time instead, um, I went back and I met Richard Eyre, who's the director. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the, the second or third time, I think it was probably the second time, I took a pic to that picture. And it's because I knew they were doing Poppins, mm. and, I, and I knew they were kind of talking about it, and Trevor was kind of like hinting about the kid stuff and hinting about like you know shows coming up and he was talking yeah. about all the shows like what are you interested like in, what are you interested in doing and and I, so I took that picture and, and it was in the meeting with Richard Eyre and he said um, at the very end he shook my hand and said well, I'll see you in September and I was like what? and then Trevor looked at me and he was like well yes well there you go then so that's that's that. Amazing. And I was like, okay, wait, oh shit, right, okay then, thank you so much, uh, I'll speak Incredible. to you soon. And then like, it was kind of like a verbal offer without yeah. it meant to have been a verbal offer, uh, <laughs> which is amazing, but it was, I think the whole like long, the long wait and the hard work and stuff, I put so much pressure on myself to uh, make it. Mm. I didn't really know where that comes from. Um, I think it, is to prove to myself that I can do it um, and to prove uh, to like my mum that she didn't waste the £125 a year that she spent on the youth theatre do you know what I mean and like yeah. the ballet tights and the ballet shoes yeah. that she bought for me and you know and all that sort of stuff I wanted to prove to her that like I could make a viable career because she was so worried about me like doing this thing for free and living on nothing and like making 11 grand a year and barely paying rent and you know, I wanted to show her that it was like, I could do it. Yeah. And there was just a moment when I got, when I finally got an offer through. I don't know, it was, it was just so weird. Um, it was amazing. What I want, what I want to do is, it's just like, people should know that no matter how old you are, you can, you can get to where you want to go. It's not about like, yeah. you don't have to work for 30, 40 years to get to a place where you want to get to. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've been in the industry now for like five years and I'm doing something that pe- people may never do, but I've always wanted to do it. Yeah. And I say this to the kids at Matilda all the time. I'm like, you're 10. You're on, the, you're on a West End stage. People that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s have been actors their whole entire life mm. and have never been on stage. The, the amazing opportunity that you have right now, like just live your best lives yeah. every day. And they, and they do take it on. They're very much like, oh, I get that. Because actually... There are people that want to be on the yeah. Western stage or on a Western stage. I'm not saying that Western stage is the be all and end all of life because actually it's exactly the same as any show ever that you've ever done. Um, you know, uh, it still has all the same problems that yeah. you would on a normal show, but it's just for some reason the West End is like yeah, it's an achievement. Yeah, um, which is great. And I was saying that's what you've you've got that you're yeah. ten, and then and then I had and then one day I had to go. I need to think that too. Yeah. Because actually I had to. I then had to go. This is actually really cool, and I'm very fortunate to be there, but I'm fortunate because I've worked hard, and I have had a very healthy balance mm-hmm. of, like, working very, you know, working pretty much all day, every day, anyway, and, and doing that sort of graft, but also not sacrificing a social life, and, yeah. and still, you know, helping my friends write plays and write musicals, and, you know, and doing all that sort of stuff, so I could 
have a long a, a career that has longevity to yeah, it, you know rather than just like peaking and that's what my mum's worried about now that I'm going to peak she's no. like she's like but what if you don't work after this and I was like well I've had a good run <laughs> do you know what I mean I'm sure you will <laughs> but it is it is, it's amazing I've kind of spoken loads and I've kind of forgotten the initial question but it's um, you've answered it perfectly okay, right. yeah but it is it's, it was amazing yeah it's amazing though and I think it is important I think I, I said at the start of the podcast to celebrate your achievement it's about it's about being positively confident yeah, and, and absolutely and I think that like it's it's a it's a really important thing that like we I, I said it ages ago it was, it was so, I said something along the lines of we are the only cheerleaders we need like mm. I am my own cheerleader because that's sometimes that's the only person yeah. that's the only cheerleader that you have sometimes absolutely. yes you have the support from everyone else but when I'm going through those meetings with Poppins no one else knew that I was doing them and I was like had to be my own cheerleader I mean obviously my my, my wife did and my, my mum did yeah. and stuff but like no one else knew. So I was trying to be my own cheerleader, like chugging along yeah. and being like, you can do this. I was like standing outside Cameron's being like, oh shit, okay, right. Okay, here we go. Let's go, yeah. But being like, cheering myself on and being like, you can do this. You, you, you know, you are good enough to do this and, mm-hmm. and what's holding you back? Yourself. Yeah. Okay, well that's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Because Because like, no one else is going to go, you can't do that. And if they do say that, it's like, how do you know? Yeah. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And also, I'm that, like I said before, I'm the kind of person that goes, okay, like cool. Like, prove you wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'll challenge you. Yeah. That, that, to me, then becomes a challenge. Not like a, in an arrogant way, in a way yeah. that's like, mm, I can, and I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Because to, to know your own self-worth is beyond anything. It's like, the, uh, yeah. it's like the best currency, isn't it? Very inspiring, honestly. This has been an incredible interview, and I think, I can guarantee anyone listening to that will take a lot from what oh, well. especially what you just said there you have to be own cheerleader know your worth yeah Absolutely. I think well I just think it's the most important thing especially like now you know it's, yeah. it's, it's like a friend of mine said it was oversaturated the industry which I don't really believe is true but there are so many people right yeah. now like wanting to act and sing and yeah. you know and, and the thing is everyone is talented in their own way Absolutely. and I think you need to find your own path into it and oh, I think for you, sure. I think you can only do that by knowing that yeah. you're good enough to do it yeah. you know yeah and have that confidence yeah. and be happy and love it yeah love exactly it. yeah 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 bro on to our last question oh, okay. of the day yeah could you walk into a room today and say i'm having a bad mental health day yes straight answer yeah. boom yes i can do i just say that do i say that like if we let's put it into a real situation do i yeah. just walk in to say it or does someone ask me Walk in and say if you're say you walk into rehearsal space, or for yeah, walk into rehearsal space. You're having a tough time. You're not feeling good. Yeah. You keep it energy. I think I yeah, I think I can. Amazing. Because I can use it. In a way that because the the issue with holding that in and that that is such a huge problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm very. I feel very fortunate. I don't have many down days mm-hmm. I have like anxiety every now and then but um, I just literally just FaceTime audio my wife yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and just say like I'm feeling very heavy chested and, and that, that normally comes from like if I don't have enough sleep yeah. or if that's, there's, there's a lot of factors to that I think um, and uh, or cheese maybe I've yeah, someone do yeah. cheese I've cut out dairy um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, I think that it can only be to your advantage yeah. could it not because if you walk in and say FYI I'm feeling a little bit kind of down today so I'm just going to take it easy because it's the exact same thing as being too hot 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's the same thing of going, right, it's really hot today. I know we're all kind of stressing out because it's hot. Let's just take our time. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing. It's exactly. Like, so, so if we normalise it in that way and we can all walk in and go, hey, FYI, I feel this. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about it later on, but let's just do what we need to do. Um, but let's just keep it really calm and let's uh, do as much as we feel is necessary. Because that's the way I would put yeah, it. Yeah, Rather yeah. than going like keeping it in and then rushing through it for a reason because I want to get out and and have a cry. Yeah, you know, yeah Actually, absolutely. I can have a really supportive network of people because if you present yourself in that way, that comes across really professional yeah. and very open. And, and I think you let people in in a different way in a professional environment. You, you then know that it's like, I am having a tough time, mm-hmm. um, but I'm here to do my job. So I'm going to wipe my feet quickly. I've told you it. I'm going to wipe my feet. And I'm going to get off my job. And if you want to have a chat with me, I'm happy. Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, there is that whole thing, isn't that old saying? It's like, wipe your feet at the door. Leave your emotions outside. Sometimes yeah. that's very, very true. And I do think that is, if you're having like a domestic at home, like, you know, mm-hmm. like if you've had an argument at home, you probably shouldn't really bring that in. I mean, you can have a chat, but like it shouldn't ruin the performance or it shouldn't yeah. ruin the rehearsal. Or it shouldn't like affect your mood and stuff that's difficult isn't it because I've just kind of like contradicted myself in a way yeah I think I think what it is is that there's a difference between like being frustrated from a situation that's happened so like an argument or mm-hmm. something like that that kind of can affect a mood or something like that or yeah. like kind of rather than having like um, an internal yeah. issue and I think that's where the difference is I think I necessarily I wouldn't necessarily bring in the fact that I've had an argument with my mum or my wife or my dad or my sister or whatever I wouldn't bring that in but I would bring in the fact that like I just did five minutes I've just had a panic attack I just need five seconds to like chill out or I'm feeling quite anxious today just give me a second like you know um, something like that I think is I think is quite important um, because and I I would but then but then I do I would probably wipe wipe the feet and then do my job yeah I think I would definitely say it. Amazing. I think. Um, I don't think I would. Yeah. 100%. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming to oh chat God, to us thank today. Thank you so much for having we me. We always finish with a game. Okay, God. It's finish the sentence game. Again, there is a time limit. Why? Was... I know, I'm sorry. Get... Okay, right. The timer is going on. And go. My favourite press night drink is... Beer. My go-to pick-me-up is... Netflix. Ah, oh, it's wrong. <laughs> Mental health to me is very important. My favorite personal development book is. Oh. That is <laughs> not a thing. Uh, I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. Fabulous. <laughs> Sundays are for relaxing, but also work and admin. <laughs> oh no! My favorite. Oh, I've just put my favorite is, but I don't know what that is. My favorite day is uh, a Monday. Happiness to me is happiness is the day that my fucking wife gets her visa to come oh, over here how about that <laughs> everything cries yeah. sure it'll be soon sure yeah, it'll be let's soon let's hope so there you go today I am grateful for everything sparkly crocs are awful <laughs> amazing yeah, awful. It, it was one, one one minute or six but you know I, 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 put, I put a really big question is, I'm it's sorry huge. it is huge yeah. it is huge Jordan thank you so so much thank for you. coming to chat today Thank you so much for listening to Industry Minds and we hope you enjoyed this week's episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to listen to our new episodes which are out every Thursday. 
If you are interested in our counselling service, please email maryindustryminds at gmail.com or just get in touch with us. For news on future guests and events, oi oi, please check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts over at Industry Minds UK. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you soon. Have a great week. Thank you for having me and uh, I hope to see you soon.